I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Hello, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, right. Good. <laughs> it sounds enthusiastic. It's a good start to the podcast. Um, Bradley Todd. Brad, how are you? Yes, I'm very well. Cheers, Tom. And yourself? Good. Yeah, good. Good to have you both back on after our absence last week. Um, thank you to Matt Vincenzi for filling in for us and doing a, a double show. Good um, job. Yeah, no, it was nice to nice to do that and uh, a little bit different, couple of different voices for once. So um, back to this week, I guess a quick review of last week's events. I didn't watch an awful lot of it, but um, I guess the first thing, Jason, is Pablo Larafabel going to be on the Ryder Cup team? Uh, why not, eh? Why not? We ain't got anybody else, have we? So once, as you said before, once we've got the top lot in, why not? Playing well uh, enough, isn't he? A bit of bit of you know, bit of um umph in the team. We're not gonna win it anyway, so um might as well, mightn't you? Have a laugh while you're there. I was looking like to see who's like the oldest debutant in Ryder Cup history and it's not gonna be Pablo Larafabel because Raymond Floyd was over fifty. But like it I'm surprised that he hasn't been talked about already and then now he's won four times in the last two years. Um, I guess he's the only probably yeah. in the conversation, isn't he? Yeah, the only problem, Brad, I guess, is that like he's not winning the bigger events to kind of cement his place in. There's still going to be a question mark over where he no. deserves, I guess. Definitely, and take take nothing away from him. Like he he does win, um, but it, it isn't the most prettiest. Like he does ride his luck. It feels at times, yeah. but hey, that is that is golf. But but, but yeah, he, he's you know at the end of the day, I think you've got to look at it as as he can sit there mooching over who's going to be these his picks and i have to be honest i i genuinely think he's got to go there and, and take a chance yeah um, i mean but it's just weird like golf works weird like you were talking about campio the other day and then he does what he does over the weekend and suddenly everyone's having yeah, a go suddenly he's had a conversation yeah. you know john Rahm was 50th at the pga yeah you know yeah. um you know shit happens you know Rahm missed the cut at spain you know um, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago a year and a half ago you know Stuff happens. It's just it's just weird. So, you know, it's very short term, isn't it? Yeah, it's very volatile. You wouldn't put golf betting. You wouldn't put him in it, would you? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't put him in it. But I think it gets to the point where how do you leave him out? It's because we just don't have the other people stepping up. Is the concern? Um, mm-hmm. In a normal year, this wouldn't be a discussion we'd we'd really want to be having. Um, whether we're going to put a forty-year-old Pablo Rafael in, but it is what it is. He's playing well enough to uh, to suggest that he needs a. Need to look at, and uh, I guess that volatility, Brad, that you mentioned, where he rides his luck, is not a bad thing for match play. So it's it's not at all, no. We'll, we'll um, see. I mean, he's a serious competitor. I don't think he'd be the worst pick. I, th- I think know, the it's... thing is, like four months is such a long time in golf that, like, do we just like in like Jason just said, like in a couple of weeks' time, we'll probably be saying something completely different anyway. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. What is yeah, it? Long, it's not going to be long. Long. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I was going to say to Tom, because I know he keeps a track of it. Is, uh, have you looked at the odds at all for... I haven't. I don't, I don't know if they're up at the moment. But oh, they're not. No, I'll, have, I'll have a look. Uh, Jace, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, you know, you look at things like the, the Hogarths, you know, and, yeah. and what you know, one month I think you'll say, I mean, obviously I think they'll be in it, but one month you're going to say, oh, they don't deserve to be in it. The next one, you know, Nikolai will win one, Rasmus 
almost certainly win one this year, I suppose. Don't know when. Mm-hmm. Um, and and suddenly you'll be like, oh, he's won that by five. And I I think it, they, he might as well use this as um, an opportunity for younger ones, to be honest, and give them a bit of experience. That's that's mm-hmm. how I look at it. I mean, you've got to try and win it, but it's, let's face it, it's going to be bloody difficult. So why not try yeah. something different? Yeah, I guess that's the point. Is like what the, it's a short-term desperation thing to try and ride a hot Pablo Larafabal with, like when really we could just be looking towards the two Hobart twins or you know Yannick Paul, whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, interesting discussions for sure. Just for reference, uh, Pablo Larafabal is five to two to make the Ryder Cup team. Um, the last person that's odds on is Victor Perez, who's 10 to 11, and then it's evens and bigger for Power, Noren, Hoygaard, Olisons, etc. So, mm-hmm. um, still some still some value to be had out there. Um, over on the PJ Tour, Emiliano Grillo wins at Colonial, which in bizarre fashion, Christ. Yeah, I mean, what was it? I don't think barely anyone had been in the water a week, and then the two of them managed to find it on the final uh, round. Yeah. I guess, I think that was almost always going to happen with Hall and Schenk but I think the, the real surprise was the fact that Harris English didn't step forward and then the fact that Grillo managed to double the last and still win so um, yeah comedy of events I guess there I, I'd like to see Grillo winning like I, I think he's deserved it he's been working towards it definitely uh, great player and you know it's what was his first win I think probably since his rookie season or the year after so um, great to see him win mm-hmm. let's go into this week um We've got the Porsche European Open on the DP World Tour. Finally back to kind of like courses that are on regular rotations. Green Eagle has been the host since 2017. We've had a COVID year where we didn't have the tournament at all. We've had the 54 holes in 2021, but otherwise it's been pretty consistent. Uh, Victor Perez is the 18-1 to favourite. Rasmus Hoygaard, Jordan Smith, 20-1 to behind him. Yannick Paul, Antoine Rosner, Alexander Bjork, 25-1. to And then it's 20 20- to one and bigger the rest um i'll come to you first jace like who was the kind of standout person for you at the top of the market uh, alexander bjork i've gone yeah. far. i'm quite confident he goes well um i mean i i think you know perez has one of his ball striking weeks then then this is his but you know we, you, we keep saying that don't we if that bloke yeah. has that and given last week i appreciate it comes off of um the major the potential uh, contending, I suppose, in the heat of the battle at the at Toke Hill, I suppose you can forgive him. Um, Rasmus is now, um, whew, uh, I think, it's four times in nine months that he's failed to go through his effort when mm. he's, when he's sort of been entering Sunday, and you know he's he's better than that. But he quite you know quite easily could have won two three times in the last six seven months, um, but he hasn't. Um, you, you need someone. Uh, Perez definitely worries me. I think he's potentially different gear, but I think we say that every week. And when he does win, he's, he's struggling to sort of do it in, in impressive fashion. Uh, so yeah, I went for Bjork. I think Jordan Smith uh, connects all the courses that I wanted to be honest with you. So uh, there's China, which actually pops up quite a lot in an awful lot of um, uh, the form lines. I mean, even different courses. So Armitage won at Foshan, Casey won at China Open. Um, you can go down to Jordan Smith. So obviously got form in China as well. Um, and you've got, I like the Italian link as well. There's, there's mm. plenty of that around. Oh, okay. yeah, me too. The thing. If, you, if you want to read it, you can read it if you want. It's on BitVictor. Um, uh, and if you don't, then I've just told you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the only thing with Smith is I think Smith, until the last nine last week, looked like the each way bet. 
without question this week. But that was just unbelievable. That was, I, I have no idea what happened to him. Completely lost control of his long game, uh, which is a major problem. Again, like Perez, can you forgive it, given that he's so good on most of the other time? You probably can. But we've gone for Bjork. Um, he's the man that beat uh, Jordan Smith in China in 2018. Um, and uh, he's just in flying form, isn't he? He's made 10 cuts in a row for 23. Um, he's got top 20 in Dubai, second in Raz, back-to-back fourths at Sudal and Italy that, that I like and thank God Brad likes as well. Hmm. Um, he ranks fifth in overall performance. If you go on tour tips and have a look at the um, um, the, the stats for the, you can do it over three months, six months, et cetera, et cetera. But current form, he's, you know, 12 for putting, 24 for ball striking. Um, he's now third in scrambling according to those those stats which means that, you know, when he's 19th in greens and reg, when he does miss it, he's getting up and down. And we'll talk, I think, in America about players that are not doing that job. Uh, made four cuts here. Uh, in best form of his life, to be honest with you. He's got exactly the right form that I want to see. I, I, I think he's bloody solid. I think I, I think you've got a sort of top 10 or top 12 here um, that potentially look as though they are on a slightly different level than the rest um, and he's the one I think with least outs at the top so um, I, yeah, I'm quite happy to have him Yeah I can completely understand all the Bjork stuff I think we've we've sort of said that it felt a little bit I don't know if it's you or is it one of the other things he feels a little bit Sung JM equivalent on the DP World Tour in the sense that he keeps being up there without actually getting the wins but we know in golf that that can change very quickly and all of a sudden we could be calling Bjork a winning machine by the end of the year. So we have no idea quite what's going to happen until it happens. So definitely all the time that he's putting up oh, the stats. Just, just, right, OK. Uh, just one quick thing. Sorry about China. Uh, he's winning um, top win. Actually works out really well. Alex Levy won the last running in the European Open at Bad. You say where it's called Grisbach, I suppose. <laughs> um, and he then he then uh, finished second and 13th round here. Um, whilst House Hung Lee, who won the 2016 top win, uh, was 18th on his only try at round Green Eagle. So so that was just another addition to the China thing, which I quite like China and Italy. So sorry to interrupt if I did, but I didn't know anyone was speaking. No, absolutely fine, mate. I think, the, I think the thing for me with Bjork is just you're following the stats, and as simple as that, like he's playing well, the finishes are there, eventually it could come, and, and that's the end of it. Um Jordan Smith, similarly, like, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to bet him. But it's just when I look at his data and the fact that he lost, you know, so many strokes in approach last week, uh, it was terrible. And he was bad putting, which is a lethal combination. That's how he misses a cut. Then he gained like a ton of strokes at the, the PJ Championship on the greens, which is unlike Jordan Smith and still missed yeah. a cut. So to me, Brad, like the, the combination of, yeah. yeah, just like what he does well isn't happening and what he yeah, does badly is, mm-hmm. it's not good, is it? So um, despite the fact there's a very obvious course form, I didn't get there with no. him. Um, in between uh, Smith and Bjork mm. there, Brad, is Yannick Paul. Yeah, I mean, his price has come in a lot. Uh, he seems pretty popular this week, uh, but he obviously made his first cut at a major uh, last time out, 69th at the USBGA, which is pretty good. He said his game wasn't as sharp as he wanted it to be, but um, yeah, it's still a great experience. And um, he's constantly improving, isn't he? He's improving at a rapid rate. Um, and I honestly feel like he's he's only going to get better and better. He's 
did well to make the cut even up last week, uh, last sorry, last time out of the USPGA. He was open with a 76. His irons really well. Ranked 11th for greens and regulation, 33rd on approach, gained over two strokes. Obviously returns home uh, to Germany this week. Uh, impressed on his debut at Green Eagle last year, finished tied 18th. This is a really tough course and uh, yeah, experience matters. Um, Smith did win it on his debut in 2017, but I can't see that happening too often here. And uh, yeah, Paul arrives a much more experienced player. He's obviously won on the DP World Tour now. He got that win in Mallorca and could quite easily be more. Had two runner-up finishes, finishes his last two uh, six starts. Sorry, um, he's established himself as one of the best players on the tour this year. A strong game, tee to green. He's ranking ninth for the season, which I looked at tee to green this week. It's a very tough, demanding tee to green test. Um, and yeah, I expect him to contend this week. Um, and yeah, I really like him. The thing with Paul is he's gaining these strokes off the tee without being the longest of hitters. And as we kind of said at the start, like, oh, maybe we said this off air before we come on, like, this is a long golf course and it does seem demanding off the tee. But by the same token, you can't just overpower it. You need to be accurate. Mm-hmm. You need to avoid the water. And that's something that Paul exactly. should be you able to do. You need to know when to use your distance. Yeah, it can be advantageous, obviously, to have distance here. But yeah, as you said, it's not definitely not all about power here. You've got to be smart with it. Yeah, I, I just don't think you can overpower the golf course, which is ultimately mm-hmm. um, what people will try and do. And I think they'll become unstuck if they do. So interesting mm-hmm. to see how people vary their approach. Uh, next up in the betting for you, Brad, Romain Langasque. Yes. Uh, so touching on what um, Jason said. Yeah, I really like that uh, link to the Italian Open. So a couple weeks ago, uh, you only have to look at there. Geria third, 10th last year. Uh, previous winners, Armitage and Samuja, both finished tied ninth. So, yeah, it looks a, a good pointer to this week. Obviously, Langas finished second behind Marunk. Um, he missed the cut on his first two visits to Greenigal, uh, but he's improved. He finished 40th in, his, uh, in this event last year, fifth at the BMW International Open, which was um, a much tougher field. Um, this course is open, exposed, um, as I've already said, demanding, off the tee to green. Um, Langas ranks 12th for the season, tee to green, and he's hit the ball exceptionally well again. Last week, ranking second, gained over 11 strokes. Um, obviously, he had a terrible week on the greens. He lost over four strokes, but yeah, that's the hope that he can improve, have a better putting week. Um, but yeah, he's one of the most informed players at the moment. Um, he's made the cut in his last six starts, not finishing worse than 45th. And I just think if he can continue to hit it well, as he has, um, keep the ball out of trouble this week and improve with the flat stick, I can't see why he can't be up there. Yeah, so I think I think the trouble with me with Roman Lengask, I mean, obviously he's a slightly bigger prize when you would have put him up yesterday, but like the 33 is one of the first you generally made mm. him now. It's just I struggle with the winning upside of him at the moment. Like... He just seems to be there or thereabouts all the time. And whereas Paul was spiked with a couple of really good contending efforts, Bjork, it feels a little bit like Bjork. But exactly, I was going to say Bjork. Yeah, slightly, slightly, but I think slightly, like even Bjork's been a bit more consistent in terms of top finishes. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. I think Lengas has got all the tools. He pops on the model that you want him to see and the, and all the tee screen stuff is great. It just doesn't seem to ever amount to anything. And eventually it does. And I think that's, you know, ultimately 
a good fit for him, then then that could just happen this week. It's just I don't I never know what to make of him. Like he he was this bright amateur. Jason obviously talks about him being low amateur at, at the uh, Augusta, but like yeah, it's, it's just weird. Like I, I I never know quite how good he is. Is probably what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say. That's fair enough. That's fair comment. But not not in a sense of like I don't know how good he is. Like I think he's shit. Like as in like I literally don't know how good he is. Like I don't know if he's going to be brilliant or run of the mill. Yeah, so as you, as you said, like it's a similar case to Bjork and a lot of other players. It's like when they get a taste of it, you know, in contention on a Sunday, how much they don't really show it enough, do they? Yeah. We'll soon find out. I think we'll find out very soon. Um, for me, the first bet, Mike Lorenzo Vera uh, or Vera at fifty-five to one. Um, talk about people that don't win. There's one. He's never won on the DP World Tour. But I think just the way he's been playing is is utterly outstanding. Like he's got three top 12 finishes uh, in his last four starts. He's just four straight made cuts in a row. I don't see really a negative in him. He's been fifth and tenth in the last two starts and strokes going off the tee. He's the type of person that can definitely uh, be accurate when he needs to. He's 11th and 16th overall in tee to green his last uh, two. So to me, just, just that all added together, adding the fact that when you look at his actual finishes, he was seventh in Korea, but he was third at the halfway mark. He was fourth in Sadao. Um, and then last week he was 12th, but he shot a final around 68 to climb the leaderboard. He's been doing it in three or four different ways. I've been consistently there, like he was in Belgium. He he was much higher in Korea and then fell away. And then he kind of climbed the leaderboard last week. So he's doing it all at the moment. And although you can't necessarily find too many players that have got really good banks of course form that back to back really strong finishes, Lorenzo Vera is at least very solid, 19th, 29th and 40th here. So I think just the way he's hitting the ball, the fact he's been so solid, um, I'm going to stick with Lorenzo Vera to go well, uh, even though he's coming in at like 55 to 1 now, originally 60 to 1, I liked him. So I'm going to stick with my guns on that from yesterday's uh, prices. And then the next person for me, which came up really late uh, in my kind of process, did this earlier um, on the Mayor Media Network show, was uh, Julian Brun, who I just think is going slightly under the radar at the moment after, I think because he's letting people down uh, in recent weeks, he hasn't quite finished off the job when he's had a good chance. I think people are slightly giving up hope on him, but like he was seventh at the Kenya Open, final around 66 there. He was second at the halfway stage at the SDC Championship, finished 23rd. Uh, he finished 24th at the Johnson Workwear Open, but again, he was fourth at the 36 hole stage. He was 72nd in Italy, but he was right up inside the top 25 after two rounds. Uh, 15th in Sedal, but he was third after 54 holes. We can see a pattern obviously emerging that he keeps falling away. But last week, really solid inside the top 30 all week. And he was fourth in strokes gain approach. Add all that to the fact that last year on his debut, he finished 34th, but he was actually second to going into the final round. And he'd been inside the top four all week. Um, we saw that he finished with a final round 80. But the thing with Julian Brun that I like, Jason, and we talk about kind of like past form and things that people have done, he won on the Challenge Tour as an amateur back in 2012, and then nine years later wins twice on the Challenge Tour in 2021, loses another playoff. He's got two wins on the Pro Golf Tour and another one on the Czech Golf Tour in 2020. Like he was really productive over the kind of COVID period, and now it looks like he might be ready to to really challenge at the DP World Tour level. Yeah, he's expected to do a lot, isn't he? Mm. Or was expected to do a lot, should I say? Yeah, it's just a weapon, can't it? I, 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 you know, when you sit here talking about it and you take the top, say, 
15 maybe on the European tour if that yeah it really is it's a bit mm, isn't it? it's very middling yeah like that's when, the word that's the, that's a very yeah. meh yeah that's a good word yeah yeah it, like, um, when you take those 10 away at the end of the year Jace that are not already exempt for the PJ tour through world rankings or anything like that like it's it's quite alarming that we've already lost Ryan Fox and Min Woo Lee you're going to lose um Victor Perez Rasmus Hoygaard Jordan Smith probably Yannick Paul Olison. it's going to get quite tough in the next couple of years for ZP Mortal it's quite interesting because it, 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 it's I don't quite mean this but it does drop down to sort of challenge tour level doesn't it yeah which is really interesting um I mean you have to do an awful lot more work um but that, that's really, I think, what, what we're doing now. Um, uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully there were some kids that come through and start. Yeah, I think I think, it's, I think it could potentially be a good thing, you know. Um, getting yeah, them over yeah. I think it's uh, getting them over there, you know, playing with the best players in the world. It's no, it's, it's good. It's good for. No, it's, it's good for them. It's good for the individuals. I know. Yeah, I mean, the DP World Tour is obviously you could say it's going to suffer, and it will initially, but it's further opportunities for the better Challenge Tour players. To I come guess. Up yeah. I guess it's a clearer okay. pathway in the sense that they're not going to go and play against Tommy Fleetwoods and and yeah. Perez's every week and Foxes or whatever. But iron sharpens iron a little bit, and playing against those players is going to be what makes them better. I think if they if they yeah. come up a level and they're only beating really average players. They're going to get a bit of a shock, I think, when they try and go. I don't. We'll never know. We won't know until it happens. So yeah, yeah. Um, this is going to be the first year we're going to automatically lose ten players that have led the rankings. So it'll just be interesting to see. I mean, the natural progression has always been that the top two or three players of a season go over to the PJ Tour anyway. Like it's not, it's not a new thing. It's just uh, severe, exaggerated. Yeah. I think is is the thing. And it was already struggling with with the the people that we've lost to other tours. So. Um, I, I mean, we're probably completely wrong, and, and this time next year you'll be, you know, you'll be, um, 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 I can't think of the word, um, about, you know, a few 19-year-olds. That are coming. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that long ago we were saying that about, you know, Nikolai Rasmus, you know, I mean, it's like a year yeah. ago or something, two years since we were saying, look at these two kids coming through. People expect a lot, don't they, I suppose, I do, I do as well. Um, but I just get, it's just when you see these players and they turn up every week and they have a chance and they finish 17th, um, and they do it every single week for like a year. And you just think, oh, somebody somebody step up. And, and I'm sure they will. Absolutely will. Um, they're doing every sport, and I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's all very well summarised there. Uh, Brad, let's talk about one of his young talents that has come up over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, he's coming we've, already to... lo- we've already lost him. <laughs> yeah, we've already lost him, but he comes back every now and then. Uh, 66 to 1 now. Uh, Matty Schmid. Yep. Uh, I was on him last week at the Kernham Open. Um, we got off to a pretty steady start. Shot 75 in the second round. Only just got through the cut line. Um, but he did finish strongly with a round of 68, which was enough to sort of entice me into giving him another go. Like, there's also love the stats as well. Obviously, we know with um, Schmid, he's an excellent ball striker. I didn't even say he'll back there. It's Matty Schmidt. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had an awful time on the greens, um, but ball striking was excellent, which is sort of how it's gone for him uh, stateside as well. Um, but he gained three strokes off the tee and 1.8 strokes on approach, ranking 14th tee to green. Um, as I said, he struggled in the States recently. He just struggled for consistency, but that sixth place finished at the American Express at the start of the year is a firm reminder of his talent obviously he was unlucky to break through as well um he did collapse i think what was that the corrales or no it wasn't corrales it might have been i can't remember it was one of them uh, smaller pj tour events 
Um, but yeah, he made the cut for the first time at Green Eagle last year, finishing 34th. He had two ugly missed cuts before that. Still learning his trade. Uh, but yeah, he's undoubtedly grown as a player since then. And yeah, I expect a much improved showing this time around. Obviously, ridiculously long off the tee, but we've, as we've said before, um, even though it's a long, demanding course, it's distance is not everything here, but it can help. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can use it to his advantage in the right moments. Seriously exciting player. I'm sure he'll be eager to impress on home turf this week. So yeah, I'm excited to chance him again. Yeah, and I think didn't he have a, was he like sixteenth or something last season uh, at this golf course as well? So I think it was around that. Uh, I think mark. it was. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was on this golf course, was it? Was it? in that was. Uh... No, sorry, thirty fourth he was, but he, yeah, he was seventeenth going into the final round. That's what I had in my head there. He was. He but was he's doing done well in Germany before, and uh, yeah, two thousand one he was in the Europe uh, where they played different course. Two thousand. I'm not sorry. Two thousand twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. He finished fifteenth. Uh, yeah, it'd be impressive if he'd done that when he was 2001. I mean, it would have been like yeah, oh, God, yeah. one years old. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, interesting <laughs> yeah. enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think it should be, for me, it's just one of those things that like, I've definitely gone down the route of don't get into the Bombers narrative and I think he fits that. So it's just whether yeah, he can yeah. control it. Um, interesting you make the point about like the, the PJ Tour to the DP World Tour form. We keep talking about this quite a lot. In the reverse of this, like Ryan Fox on the PGA Tour, 14th for Bay Hill, 27th for the players, match play, good effort, 26th for the Masters, 23rd for the PGA, 21st at the Charles Schwab. That is winning form on the DP World Tour. Like if he came back and played the DP World Tour event, I would be betting mm-hmm. him to win. And I think that's that's what we're seeing is is if you're one of these leading players on the DP World Tour, the, the upside at the moment is kind of top 25 finishes on the PJ Tour. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens over the next couple of seasons in golf, I think. Um, Kiridak Afibarmrat for me is the next one. If I've gone with a couple of Mercurial picks, it's because of, you know, I, I, it's just one of those events where I think one of these could shine through. And although Afibarmrat's made it four times, Lorenzo Vera hasn't. I consider them kind of like the same sort of person that is popular. Um, just kind of gets the crowds going and Afid Barmrat certainly that and whilst his best stuff's obviously come at home and in Asia in general like the fact that he's had tied fourth and tied six finishes at the BMW International Open which is in Munich the fact that he was 37th on hit here on debut and finished 34th last year and when you look at the fact that he was 30 when he was 37th on debut he was actually fourth going into the weekend I'm really kind of confident that he can go and at least challenge and be in the mix. He actually tied the lead on Sunday at one point uh, at the KLM, 15th and 5th in his last two starts overall. He's hitting the ball decently well, tees are green uh, at the moment. I just I just like what he's doing. Like I don't think he's necessarily one of those people that... I think he can signpost some form, but I don't think you can necessarily go like he's going to go 4th, 5th win, but he's been 10th and 8th and tees are green in the last two starts. He's 6th and 28th for strokes gain approach. He's played here before. I think course history may mean more than just having to I think have just having experience here. Yeah, is just just the, yeah, just being around just here a few times. Yeah, and and I just think that ultimately, like he's he spent years here where it's been harder. It's been harder to beat the players that've been in it. We've had Bryson DeChambeau, Paul Casey, and people like that playing in it, and and now we don't. So I think he can really step forward as someone as a four-time winner on a tour. Uh, and get himself in the mix. So I liked Afid Barmrat. Um, Will you be taking him first round leader? Yeah, probably just to double down on the misery when he misses the cut. Um, yeah, I'll probably get get all involved in him. 
And then the, fun, the 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 next one for me, who really I don't know how I get here because I slate this bloke more often than I praise him. But Marcus Armitage is uh, ninety to one this week, and I just I just think there's a little bit of a bias that people don't think he can go and win on the same golf course as already won it. Um, and I think that was sort of the case with sort of Cali Samoya this week as well that mm-hmm. people just don't want to believe that they can go sort of back to back and well he wouldn't be back to back he obviously won it in 2021 but like they don't believe Armitage can win it again and when you look at it he was actually um, in 11th place after day one of his titles events last year eighth going into the weekend and when you look at his current form. 9th, 28th, 29th, his past three starts. But it's been even better than that. So he was 12th uh, going into the weekend at the Sadao Open. He was 4th after Friday's round last week. So he's really been right in the mix. He could, he could easily be three top 10s in a row. I know it doesn't work like that. But just the way he's been playing is, is really catching my eye. And his iron's 3rd, 47th, 8th and 3rd. His past four, past four starts and strokes can approach. So his driver is a concern. And, and that's why he's the odds that he is. Um, completely understand that, but um, I think Armitage is being slightly overlooked. Jason, we're coming back to you because you've got two uh, triple digit plays to, to round us off here. Uh, did I not give you Dion Dernichet then? Well, I, I counted him as a triple digit, but he's not narrow. Oh, is he? Did too, is he? Okay, sorry. Yeah, there, there is. There, he's he's a hundred to one on uh, Bet three six five still. Oh, okay. I know he was. I know he was two hundred and whatever at the beginning, yeah. but I mean. You know, unfortunately, unless you're up with the lark, you can't get anything like that. So you have to look at the general price, I suppose. Um, yeah, Dean, Dean Germachet's shoes, shoes, shoes yeah. um, <laughs> reminds me a lot of Dean Burmester, who I was a huge fan of uh, when he was over here before he took the money. Um, he had a terrific record at Die Data, a fan court, something that Germachet's doing. He's got 20th and 7th there now. Um, Burmy also had a good record at Albatross, which I like. I know, I know I'm leaning more towards the length here. Um, but you know, somebody's got to do something different, don't they? Uh, <laughs> Bermi had a solid record at Albatross, the Czech Masters, etc. Um, and in Italy, when he was fifth, uh, potentially should have been closer behind Laurie Cantor and <laughs> Ross McGowan, unbelievably, which again actually backs up your point that, um, I mean, that course, Jervo was an absolute driver's dream, <laughs> and uh, they all got beat by Ross McGowan with a decent <laughs> putter, so that can happen at any time, but anyway. Um, yeah, had a brilliant season so far, rookie season. Um, only three weeks ago, I think he qualified for the US Open, yeah. um, led the US Open at uh, Wharton Heath. Uh, interestingly, again, talking about length, um, two of the other five spots were won by uh, Alejandro Del Rey, who plays this week, and Matthew Pavon, I think he does. Uh, they're one of some of the longest drivers on tour. Um, that boosts his current season so far. Uh, obviously, last week's third at the Dutch Open was a step up from the 15th in Belgium. That was a step up from the top 10 in Japan. Um, in Japan, he was just behind Rob McIntyre, Yannick Paul, Jordan Smith and Jorge Campillo, who obviously all play this week and are all in terrific form and really should, should at their best, would, would certainly. You'd fancy a lot of those to be top 10 in a competition like this. Um, only a year ago, he won his first and only professional victory on the Sunshine Tour, which again was um, in front of some of the country's biggest hitters. So I'm in real trouble if this is like dominated by 250 yard drivers. <laughs> um, got his DD, got his uh, DP card uh, by 20th at the end of the Challenge Tour season. Um, I love what he's doing at the moment. I don't see why you can't ride a player that's hot and that nobody really knows um, where his ceiling is. Nobody knows, you know, where he's going to bottom out. 
we did talk about doing it. And I don't know if it was this year's pre. I don't think it was. I think it was a year and a half ago. I think you were on Brad as well when we mm-hmm. discussed players yeah. to follow. And I'm pretty sure we said somewhere, Dion Gurmishers, it's taken him a time to, to do it. Yeah. Um, why not follow up what he did last week? You know, he beats some bloody good players. You know, where people like Campio, et cetera, fell away, he was just kicking on. And and why not? On, on a track that I think will reward his, his long driving. Um, he certainly, you know, you look at his pattern stats, he's excellent on the green as well. Um, he's going to be learning all the time. And you look at somebody like, again, you say Julian Brun, and I'm not knocking the fellow at all, but mm. you suddenly look at the go, well, how much is he learning as he goes? Um, you know, if he can jump on when they are doing it, as this fellow is, and he can get around 90 or 100 or one comfortably um, anywhere in the market, um, you know, I'm happy to I'm happy to be on and see what he does. Not worried about him being the first time here. I understand that it's going to be really tricky and, and how tongue he's going to win it. But, um, <laughs> you know... Um, he didn't. He hadn't seen Japan. He hadn't seen Sadao. He hadn't seen um, uh, Bernardus. So yeah, you know, kick on, mate. Yeah, no, I, I think with Gurmishev, it's one of those ones where like there's obviously the shock that he's fallen off from 200 to 100, but the 200 one was such a false price. Like it wasn't. Yeah, it, was it wasn't right. Like it, he could have opened up at 80 this week and I wouldn't have batted the line in. Like he's playing mm-hmm. so well. I put him up at like 200 to one for the Japan Open after uh, after at the career open when he played well at Japan. It didn't quite materialise, but. He's been on the radar for, like you say, probably 18 months or so. And then certainly this season, we talked about him a lot. So, um, you know what? Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. Very quickly, again, I, I do this Dean Burmese thing. I am actually really keen on that comparison. Yeah. It's exactly the same. We were following Burmester at 100, 150 to 1. Then it was yeah. 80, 66. And then suddenly towards the, you know, towards the end of his, his like European tour stint, if you like, yeah. it was like 25. Yeah, and, and so you might as well jump on these nineties if you think they're they're of that mm-hmm. sort of ilk, um, until yeah. they just get too short that you can't bother. Yeah, I think I think him and Hillier after last week's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. are very disrespected in the market this week. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely some scope there. Like you say, sometimes we can just give up because you know oh, we saw a two hundred to one once. It well, it just wasn't the price. Like it it was mispriced at the start. It was very quickly uh, retracted and. And that's it. So uh, not going to focus too much on that. Uh, final one for you, Jason, here. Jong uh, Wun Ko, I think is how we pronounce it, but I never quite know how to get it right. Yeah, well, you can pronounce that. You want <laughs> French and Korean, so, but, yeah. so you, can, you can pronounce him. He's really Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah, or, or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm just trying to work out that the other two mixed together isn't the swear word. Yeah, it's but, cringe. Cringe. Um, He's got to be a watch. Um, I can't remember if I did put him up as a watch actually the end of the year. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, uh, dominated his home junior season. I mean, the pro- no, I won't say that because uh, I'll get in trouble actually. Right. <laughs> um, dominated his, his junior scene at home, uh, gone through the Alps, gone through the Challenge Tour, classic um, progression through mm-hmm. um, you know through the various levels. Um, settled in really well, Challenge Tour, second half of 2022. Played 14 times from July to September, four top fives, two top tens, pair of top 20s, um, including a top five at the Challenge Tour final. Um, rookie season here um, started perfectly well, 30th and 4th in Africa. Um, progressed um, as the fields have hotted up a little bit. He seems to have ramped it up a bit. Top 20 career, India, Belgium. But um, Sudel, he was second place at halfway, so he should be learning all the time. Um, and a third round at St. Francis Links um, launched him into the top 10 going into Sunday. Um, on the tour trip, tour trips, 
Tell you if you want us to do it. Yeah, take a trip. On the Tour Tips com uh, tracker, he's uh, ranking 12th overall. With, uh, he's inside the top 30 for all the relevant stats, 15th for distance, 25 for greens, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I put in my article that he has a bit of Gavin Green about him, but without the question marks. Um, so, yeah, we, nice again, stuff, he's it? another player. He's another player that we're, um, we're, you know, we are guessing what he's going to do here. But you know, look, look, sometimes you have a Julian Brun that doesn't go on to win it. And sometimes you have, you know, whoever that, that you know, goes on Rasmus Hogard that goes on and wins, you know, a couple of tournaments at a really young age. Um, you just got to play you. Play your prices, haven't you? Really? So at triple figures, I think he'll be, he'll be, he'll be decent at this level. Um, obviously, if he doesn't do anything special and, and all these people start nabbing him, um, but I like him. Yeah, I like him. He was second to. You talk about Hillier. He was second to Hillio in the Swiss Challenge. Um, Hillio is obviously a bomber, so that I think reads really well here. Hillio was on my list over here, mm. um, top fifteen at the Die Data in twenty one. Again, that tournament pops up. It's always a long hitter's track. Um, yeah, I think I think he's of quality that, again, you know, three years ago we were talking about Moronk muffin, muffing everything up. Now we're talking about Moronk, you know, contending in, in top-grade competition. So I'm having co, and, uh, you know, there we are. It's my money, so that's what I do. Absolutely. And I think, well, you look at adding some colour to this Foshan Open thing that we've been talking about. 2016, Marcus Armitage wins that ahead of Alexander Knapp, uh, Matthew Pavon. Yep. Brian Fox is in fourth there. Thomas Teachery is in sixth with Dylan Fratelli. Ages really well, that leaderboard, in terms of talent. 2017, uh, slightly different, uh, but Callum Tarran was in the top five there. He's obviously playing really well on the PJ Tour. Dan Huizings uh, played well here in the past, uh, top 10. Mm. 2018 renewal, Victor Perez beats uh, Robert McIntyre in a playoff. Sean Crocker comes third, who strikes as that type of person, plays well. I think Darius Van Drills played well here in the top five. Adrian Moronk was seventh that week. Ewan Ferguson was tenth. It's really, really promising for something of this course. And just one person that's that's kind of sandwiched in there. Oscar Langdon was seventh uh, that year in the Foshan Open in 2018. And just as we were talking, I was kind of looking into him a little bit more. He's made his last three cuts on the Challenge Tour. He was sixth after round one of the UAE Challenge and then faded away. He was 13th at the BNL Challenge Trophy. Uh, but it was actually second going into the weekend, shot second round 65. And last week he was 33rd after massively improving on the final day from a Saturday 60, uh, 76. So I was on him last week. There you go. One he was. <laughs> there you go. 201 last week. He's 600 to one this week in a in a higher grade on a course that may just suit based on the Foshan Open link. So if there's anything to that, and he suddenly goes and shoots the 65 on Thursday, then uh, you'll know why. Do you know what? Do you know what? You point out the links, and I think we but we all do this, is that you, you see the class of your players, obviously, from Beauchamp, we didn't realise Fox would have done what he was, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then you look back at the sort of moderate players and you see um, Bert Rithammer yeah. um, in X at Beauchamp, and he was obviously second to Casey mm. around here. So when you look at those, you know those ones that have about two results every year? Yeah. Um, yeah. They're the ones to look at, aren't they? There's always the outliers, isn't it, that you yeah. look at? Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I digress. Um, I just wanted to put some colour onto that and uh, somehow just put in a, a 601 shot that I'm probably not going to bet, but just thought it was interesting to uh, to chuck him in there and see what we thought. 
Going over then to the Memorial Tournament, uh, big tournament on the PGA Tour, another elevated event. I'm kind of getting bored of saying that, so eventually I'm just going to say it's an event. Um, but Scotty Scheffler is 13 to 2, John Rahm is 15 to 2, Patrick Cantley 10s, Rory Zander 14s, Victor Hovland 20s. Um, I'm going to get it out there early. I'm backing Patrick Cantley at 10 to 1. Uh, there's not really much to say about it. He's a two-time winner of the course. Yes, you can probably put an asterisk next to one of those because Jerome Rahm was dragged off the course when he was definitely going to win. Um, but he had to be in a position to take advantage of it, and he did. Other than that, he's been third and fourth outside of those two wins on this golf course. He's coming off the ninth-place finish at Oak Hill, where he continues to drive the ball well, and his irons were, were rock-solid there as well. Um, I don't really see a negative in Patrick Cadley, other than the fact that He's 10 to 1. You can actually get 12 to 1 on the advanced um, kind of bet 365 each way extra market if you take three places. So um, that would be the way I would play it. I just think Patrick Hanley is going to win at some point in the season. And this is mm-hmm. absolutely the best opportunity for it to happen. So I'm going in early with Patrick Hanley. But anything from the top of the market for you, Jason? No, Patrick Hanley. That's it. Thank you. Good night. Cool. <laughs> one, one and done with Patrick Hanley. Um I take it you're just in agreement basically with what I said, but do you want to add anything to it? No, no, no. It's, it's not, I'm not pretending it's difficult, um, and I don't think it needs to be difficult. Um, you know, you, you can look down and, and, and look further down this, which obviously you'll come to. Yeah. But I think you're, you're looking at six to four, I think, for the other four favourites, something like that. Scheffler, uh, who's, who's putting up figures that are just, you know. Godly, yeah. Well, they're unbelievable. But he's still not. He's not putting his head in front. He's not finishing but off though, is he? Like as much he as he's putting, he's putting his short game. He's letting him down. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, but but I think you said this on the um, uh, the chat with Matt. Um, yeah. the, the, the thing about the fact that he doesn't have a lull. Ram, obviously, you know, he, he was tenth here last year, which actually was a letdown for him. Mm. Um, Harbour Town, he was slowly away. He was down the pack at Oak Hill. Um, and okay, yeah, I know Fee now's top grade, um, but you know, even I expect I was on Fee now, and even I expected Ron to win it. Um, so, so he doesn't have that at the moment, anyway. He doesn't seem to have that John Rahm brilliance, or or you know, gets a bit annoyed and, and finishes halfway down the field. But I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's at six to one. I, I haven't worked it out, but you probably do win money anyway. Um, I just, I just think. If you're going to back Cantley, there's two places you're backing here and the Shriners. Um, and it's it's with each way terms you can get these days. Um, I think you can just literally walk down every board and just take what you want. Hmm. And and I'd struggle. Yeah, he's not he's not doing anything wrong, is he? Apart from put his head in front again. Um, yeah. But if he's going to do it, this is where he does it. But he's almost not like where is Scheffler's probably had two or three opportunities to win over the last month. And you, you literally can't knock Scheffler because of the way he's but like the consistency is absolutely ridiculous. T three numbers are literally unmatched. Um it, the fact that he's just there, he's world number one for the reason, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm not gonna try and knock him. But he has been at the front or been the most likely to win, the shortest prize to win, even if he's been off the pace and hasn't won. Whereas Cantley just hasn't got to that point yet. Like he's been playing well and hasn't quite got near and I guess the heritage maybe um when Fitz beats Spieth but like other than that is it like I, I don't know I just feel like he's not quite got there yet and until he gets there and lets me down I think I'm just gonna keep going can't they? It's, yeah yeah I mean interestingly inter- interestingly right <laughs> interestingly 
or not, as the case may be, <laughs> um, that, that he's, he's, you know, he's Riviera, Bay Hill, Harbour Town and Oak Hill. He's, he's, he isn't higher at any point than he is at the end. Yeah. Um, so that's quite interesting. He did it at Muirfield last year. He was 48th after round one and landed his fourth top five in seven starts. Um, and I'm not, no, I, I'm certainly not questioning his, his ability in front. And uh, I do go back to Schweiner's last year when we bet Tom Kim. And he, he did try the entire way to win that. I mean, he was trying too hard, in fact, which is why that tee shot went awry. Um, so I've no question marks about him then. I, I, like I say, I just think if there's any way you're going to back him. And he's flying. I mean, he's, he's, his figures are flying. And I'll put something else in as well um, for Tour Tips fans. I should get paid for this, but I don't. Um, <laughs> for Tour Tips fans, um, they've now got a sort of new sheet, which is the top five. Um, they take the five-year stats yeah. and work out the percentage of importance for those stats based on the last five years. Yeah, that's good. Though. Results. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that, it? Um, and, and obviously, this is a really important tournament that, that history and, and figures do do matter an awful lot. And yeah, I think Cantley leads the way. Um, so yeah, you know, just, just lump on and, and just watch him win and, and, you know, Monday go and collect. One and done for Patrick Cantley this week for you, Jace. Yeah, I, I look I look at the top tens and stuff for, yeah. for Lowry's and Poddery and, and stuff like that. But why worry? I'm, I'm I, you know I could back hundreds of them and not get the same money back. So I'm 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 Cantley and I'm happy if he gets placed. To be honest with you, I'll still make enough. So yeah, yeah. like it. Good. Um, Victor Hovland was close, but I just I actually thought he played remarkably well last week to even be where he was, uh, considering the the kind of lit down in the end after the 16th of the PGA. Um, so I'm actually quite impressed with what he did, but I'm not going to back him again this week. I'm going to give him a week off. Uh, that was the closest I came otherwise outside of Cantley. But Brad, Tyrrell Hatton fused 25 to 1 now. Another another tease green monster who's kind of going to look... Mm. I still think he's going to look a bit under the radar, his ball striking. I think it is. Uh, but yeah, going back to Cantley quickly, I felt as though I... Almost had to have either Cantley or Xander Schaffley on my car. I was splitting hairs between them both. Yeah. Couldn't decide. Um, just I think it's just too much scar tissue at the moment. Um, with uh, the majors, I've been backing both of them quite yeah. a lot. And when they sort of shortened to the prices that they have, and rightly so, especially Cantley, for, you, for all the reasons you guys have just said, it's just too hard for me to commit at that price. But there we go. I've gone for Tyrrell, who, as you said, is just... Absolutely, has some incredible stuff at the moment. T to green, far on all cylinders. Doesn't look like there's much of a weakness in his game. Um, obviously, fought back really well at Oak Hill. Had disaster at opening 77, then followed with three rounds in the 60s, which takes some doing around that course. Um, he was again excellent. T to green, gained over five strokes. Um, his first and only win on the PJ Tour came on another. Jack Nicholas design at Bay Hill, which is another long and tough pass. 72 bears some resemblance to Murphy Village. Um, he's played here once before, that was a long time ago now, back in 2019. Finished 33rd, but pretty encouraging debut. He shot four rounds level par or better, and it just feels like the type of course where any experience you know it goes a hell of a long way. So, the fact that he's played well here is encouraging. and yeah, he's also in like so much better form than he was back then in 2019. He has so much more experience behind him. 
He's superb on long and difficult courses, strong driver of the ball, um, doesn't make many mistakes. So he's got a hot head on him, but he does normally keep it in check. That's just him. Um, I just feel as though if he can maintain his ball striking, keep the putter hot, which it has been, I struggle to see him not contending this week. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just one of those things. What, what do you make of the the Wentworth link? Did you, did you see anything? Yeah, I saw that, yeah, obviously with Ram winning in Horshaw and Hatton as well. Yeah, I, I think it's there. I like it. It's just another. It's just another. Just plus. an additional bow. Just I mean, like, thing. I didn't really look at too much. Um, no, I noticed it and was like, oh, that's that's nice. Obviously, um, Rams played well there, which you'd expect him to, and won here. Billy Horschel won Wentworth yeah. and won here. Yeah, Benny right. Ann's won Wentworth, finished second here uh, in a playoff to Bryson DeChambeau. But the one that really made me put uh, Justin Rose plays well at Wentworth and won here. One that really put a kind of bow in it for me and made me kind of look into it a little bit more. Andres Romero is runner-up to Tiger Woods team in 2012 and he's had a top six at Wentworth. And that's kind of someone you wouldn't expect to have crossovers. Well, so, I know that one. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think even Adam Scott's obviously played well at Wentworth. So they're, they're, yeah, they're names... more significant than what I was giving it. Yeah, but they're, they're names that people that should just play well at Wentworth, like Ernie Els and people like that, like... it they should have been the best players in the field of Wentworth. And I think it takes it away from it a little bit. When you start adding in Benny Ann, Andres Romero, I think maybe, I don't know if David Ling must play Wentworth, but it rings a bell potentially. Um, but just things like that, it just adds a little bit of colour to it. So I thought that was worth mentioning. Um, then I just think you've got to kind of, this is going to be a tough one to swallow for some people, but at 40 to one, I'm going with Ricky Fowler. Like, we talk about the fact that Patrick Cantlay is, you might back him two or three times this year, and there's the best chance to win it's going to be here. I think that's almost the case for Ricky Fowler. I know he's never won here, uh, but he's got two runner-up finishes, both of the times he could have won. Uh, one of them was on his debut in 2010, the other one was seven years later. On top of those runner-up finishes, he's been 8th, 11th from 14th on this golf course. He's definitely that type of golfer that he was back then. The, the, the swing is similar to what it was, the type of style of game and the, the consistency that he's showing is similar to what it was during those seven years between 2010 and 2017. He played so well here. He's got seven top 20 starts, seven top 20s, his last eight starts with one missed cut in between at the PGA Championship. His sixth at Colonial last week was his best of 2023. Um, obviously only second behind his runner-up finish at Zozo for the season. I get that he hasn't really had a chance to win and he's not really getting himself in contention, but the consistency is unbelievable. And I truly believe he's going to win. If it's not this season, it'll be very, very early into next season. Um, so whilst 40 to 1 may seem short to some people, I think taking the 40 to 1, knowing that if he finishes inside the top 10 again this week, he's going to be 25 to 1 when he wins. Um, and that's, I'd rather just take a chance to him here. Because um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's the quality of field that's going to stop him winning. I think it's just purely going to be um, him. It's going to be when he, yeah. when he believes it, when he clicks and, that could very easily come this week. So somewhere that he's played very well over in the past, um, I'm happy to go back to Ricky Fowler. Like it. Brad, your second selection, Shane Lowry, is going to be popular. Mm-hmm. Jason's already alluded to a top 10 bet on him this week. Um, why? Well, uh, we can go back to the Wentworth thing again if you want. Yeah. <laughs> he's one there. But no, I didn't. I didn't so that's why I mean, it's been a long time since I've backed Shane. Uh, it doesn't usually end well, uh, but yeah, his case was too strong this week to ignore. We know with Shane, he loves a tough test of golf. 
Uh, you only have to look at his best finishes this year to tell you that. 14th at Riviera, 5th at Bay Hill, 16th at Augusta and 12th last time out at Oak Hill. Um, yeah, as I mentioned with Hatton, um, I like the Bay Hill link. So to see him go well there is a plus. He hit the ball exceptionally well. Tee to green at Oak Hill, gained over 11 strokes. We see the biggest problem this year has been the flat stick, but there was a small, tiny improvement last time out. We ever so slightly gained strokes putting, which is something to build on going into this week. Um, he has a decent enough record at Murfield Village, made five or seven cuts. Um, his best finish um, was sixth, coming in 2021, and he's also finished 15th in 2017. Um, yeah, he ticks a lot of boxes, been really accurate off the tee, superb Long Island player, uh, tidy short game, as we know. And the putter is, I say, trending upwards, not really, but it's a little <laughs> bit improved. So, yeah, I think at the price, 55 to 1, why not have a bit of shame this week? I think it was Steve Steve Rawlings. I'm pretty sure it was on Betfair that pointed out that I read so much content during the week. I never remember where it was. I'm pretty sure it was Steve. So thank you, Steve. Um, pointed out that like players have done well in Florida earlier in the season and then come and come one here or contended here, and it's it's the people that you wouldn't expect it to happen from. And yeah. it makes sense, not because maybe the sense of the course, but just like. Well, you play well in March, you've had a little bit of a lull, maybe the first couple of majors have caught you out, and then suddenly you spike again in May uh, or June. Like, mm-hmm. it makes total sense. Fifth of the, the Honda Classic uh, for Shane Larry just only adds to that. The Wentworth link adds to it. The Irons were so good um, at Oak Hill. They were brilliant at the Players' Championship. They're consistently brilliant, basically, for the whole season, other than the match play. It's just... It feels like... It's just one of those things... It feels like with Shane that... And it's a, a slightly exaggerated version to me of Justin Thomas that everyone kind of thinks eventually is going to happen for Justin Thomas because he's going out to a price that's too big and he's eventually he's going to find his putter, et cetera, et cetera. And I think people are waiting for the same thing with Shane Lowry. The difference is, is you're getting 50 to 1 or 60 to 1 about Shane Lowry and you're getting 28 to 1 about Justin Thomas. So it just depends how much you see between the two golfers, I think, personally, because you're waiting for the same thing to happen. They've both got a putt well. Um Lowry's probably a bit more consistent with his irons than, than Thomas is, whereas Thomas is spiking. So it's really interesting. I think he's a, he's a great course fit. He's a perfect course fit for this Lowry. Um, I do have my doubts about him winning, but that but then so does everyone else, which is why he's 50 one. It's all baked in there. He's got he's only got to finish in the top eight to pay off in each way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what you kind of got focused on. So I, as much as it sounds like I'm trying to find negatives on Lowry, I do really like it. Um, I think it makes a ton of sense. Jason, anything to add on that as to why you think he might be top 10? No, I was looking at it in terms of if it becomes a bit of a, a, a bit of a mare to play, really, to be honest with yeah. you. I think when you're looking at, again, I, I'm horrible to be so short-term. When I'm looking at Rahm and the way he was last couple of weeks ago, yeah, at the PGA, um, I mean, useful that he missed last week, I think, Rahm. I think he'd be, I wasn't sure he's in the right frame of mind for some reason. Um, but when you look at that and you've got a few doubts about the top, Rory and stuff like that, you can easily see Rory dumping out of it. Just maybe wanted somebody that was literally going to plod around, you know, mm. just not make mistakes. You know, you don't need to, you don't need to 26 under here, do you? So that was really, that was really where I am. And um, again, you know, he appears in, um, he appears in the very short list of players that I think it's 11 players that meet all those criteria. So, he seems to step up when it's when it's a, um, a difficult when it's a, a trial of a competition. Larry, you know, a bit like it happened 
the same, to be honest with you. But they've caught on to Hatton now, haven't they? Yeah. Um, he's, he's actually playing too well. You, you normally like to see Hatton do nothing when they're hitting 25, 26 under. Then go to Bay Hill or come here or go to one of the more difficult tracks and then get on him. Um, whereas whereas he's, they've caught on to him now. Well, I think they might not have done Lowry. Just because, he, he, yeah, like you say, I mean, there's, yeah, there should be a new term called Sung J Imming, right? <laughs> he's he's a bit Sung J Imming at the moment, where he's mm. just there. Um, but the the fact that he's 50, 60 to 1 makes his top 10, top 20 price yeah. far more appealing. You know, it's Shane Lowry, Sung J Im, Justin Rowe, that sort type of player. You can always see being there without, you can't see him winning because he hasn't just got that whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 no, no problem. I think Larry, Larry Hatton, I think they're great selections. Yeah. It's, it's just strange with Shane Larry, like, and I do it, like, I just don't see him as like a winner. And it's mm. a guy that's won an, it's, it's a guy that's won an Open Championship and a WGC is his two only PJ Tour wins. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's us. Really, yeah. And, and when you look at his, like, wins his home open as an amateur. Then follows up the Portugal Masters win, then goes Abu Dhabi and, and Wentworth, like beating Rory yeah. and Rahm in the latter. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like it's but that so the dominance that we always tell the PJ Tour commentary off for saying like oh they overlook the fact they win on the DP World Tour and stuff like that. I do it sometimes. There's an unconscious bias. If you don't win regularly on the PJ Tour, you knock them, and maybe we're wrong to. Jace, we can learn anything there. Yeah, so no, I was just going to say, I was just looking at the at three month figures mm. and uh, Hatton's third, for example, and Lowry's like, like in the depths, you know, mm. 106. So I thought it was quite interesting. Um, I certainly didn't put him down as uh, as playing as bad as that. No. Um, so yeah, that's just, just, I mean, I'm not, it's not the be all and end all because obviously, you know, you look at, at where the figures are taken from and, you know, what mm. sort of tournaments, et cetera, et cetera, will they suit? But that's, that's quite interesting and, and, you know, it makes you think that's why they've put him in at, at the price he's been put in. But this mm. seems, I agree. I, I think, I think when you look, you know, 12th at the P, uh, Oak Hill without actually doing anything. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a, you know, four weeks really Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Top 15 at uh, Riviera without actually doing anything. 16th at the Masters, again, not actually doing anything. He comes to exactly the same, you know, uh, John Spieth said there's a correlation between them, uh, Augusta and here. Um, you have to know where to miss it, et cetera, et cetera. You have to be very good at, at scrambling. His scrambling stats aren't great, but he's performing really well at tough courses. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that I can't see him winning. I don't want to back him each way, but I like the price because it allows you to get a better price on the top 10, top 20. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like all that. Good discussion there on Shane Larry. Enjoyed that. Um, Brad, give us your final pick, and then I'll rattle off the, the kind of others. Yeah, so, Adam yeah. Scott. Yeah, I mean, it's been over a year. I couldn't believe it. I saw it. Uh, um, a year since Adam Scott has missed a cut. Mm. Uh, 23 consecutive mate cuts. Uh, that's pretty pretty impressive. Um, and he's, I feel like, has recently stepped it up a notch. Uh, he's finished tied fifth at the Wells Fargo and eighth at the Byron Nelson before a pretty respectful 29th at the PGA Championship. Um, and, yeah, he just... He's been hitting the ball really well, especially at Oak Hill. Last time out, he gained over three strokes off the tee and on approach. Uh, the driver, it's always been about the driver for Adam Scott, and he looks like it's back to his best at the moment. Uh, he gained at least one stroke off the tee his last eight starts, um, and he's been inside the top five on four occasions and came close to winning 
2019 at Murphy College. Uh, so that is an impressive record. We know it's a long, tough layout. It's exactly what he's after. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a great course for him. Uh, exactly what he wants, and he's been consistently good for some time now. And he's drift. No, he's shortened up. Sorry, in price, but I still think at 55 to one. Um, that's good enough for me, and he he's definitely got another win at him. And yeah, I think he's got uh, he can win this this week. No no problem about that. It feels so very Adam Scott that he finished fourth and then didn't play for two years. He finished second and then didn't play the workday or the uh, memorial in 2020. Uh, then he finished 16th and then somehow finished 67th last year. Like it feels so. It's just him that he, he just feels so hit and miss, despite the fact that he should be really good at these courses like Genesis and things like that. That he. He's had a career, like you say, of having really top finishes and then some some reason just doesn't play them for a year or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it feels like he's almost cheating himself out of some momentum. Yeah, at golf yeah. um, so funny schedule sometimes with Scott. But I think he's really ded- rededicated himself, really playing well. Um, I keep putting him, Scott, uh, him, Rose, Fowler and Dave no, yeah. in the same bracket. Me too, me too. And <laughs> Dave and Rose have done it. So maybe Dave's got his win, Rose has, and yeah, yeah. it feels like these two are... Yeah. yeah the weird thing is is that, like i feel like rose and day were both like 2018 whereas like fowler was 2019 and scott was actually 2020 when he lost one so like it's it's not actually as dramatic for those two and yet yeah. we sort of put them in the same bracket but yeah i, I think there's really it was really hard for me to leave him out i just i just had a bunch of other people that i wanted to play so um scott was just off the shortlist for me uh the person directly in in front of him for me was siwoo kim and I mean, I won't hide it. I love backing Siwoo Kim. Um, I think he's, I still think he's underrated as a golfer. That's ridiculously, like he's a four-time winner. He's had three playoff losses already. So consider, let's, let's not give him all of them of those playoff losses. Let's say he could have won five, six times already on the PGA Tour. He's had some other opportunities as well. Like, that's ridiculous. He's the youngest ever player's championship winner at 21. Uh, uh, he, he just wins an elite company. I, I really do like what he does. And, then you look at the fact that he finished tied 29th at Colonial last week. doesn't sound like a lot, but it was actually his best performance by a mile at that golf course. He'd, he'd finished tied 66th there once, and then I think he had five or six missed weekends. So to me, it's a really good sign he finished tied 29th there. Returns to this course where he's finished uh, 18th, 9th and 13th over the last three years. He was 29th previously before, and he was 11th going into the final round. 15th at the halfway stage, finished 41st. Um, just really got some hidden form, I think, around his golf course that it wouldn't surprise me at all if suddenly he just turned out to win this event. Four um, top 20 strokes gain approach efforts in his last eight starts. Two top 17 finishes in tee to green in his last three starts. Just playing sneakily very, very well. Obviously, already got the win on the season. Interestingly, he's had two years where he's had a chance to win twice in the season. Uh, 2016 and 2021, he lost two playoffs. Uh, I think this is a year that he wins too, and I think it happens um, here at Memorial. So I like Siwoo Kim just br- just marginally over uh, Adam Scott. So yeah. there like you go. This yes. week, Siwoo Kim. Yeah, as I said to you, it was tough leaving him out. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. I just I just think he's a little bit overlooked. But then I think he was fifty. He was fifty to one for the Sony. Like so, maybe fifty-five to one isn't overlooking him, but he was seventy to one yesterday. Like just. I just think he's just another one people don't believe can win two or three times in the season. They absolutely can. So um, love Siwoo Kim. Then for me, 
the the final two that I'm definitely playing. First one, Harris English at 125 to one. I just don't get it. I, I don't I don't understand why he's 125 to one. He's had 12 place finishes last week and at Riviera. Uh, he was second at Bay Hill. He was third at Quail Hollow. He was considered like a sneaky pick at Oak Hill. Didn't materialise to anything, but he's been 13th and 18th here in the past. He's just finding that form tee to green and approach, everything like that, that you like to see from a player as they're coming into a tough test like this, like 7th and 11th in his last two made cuts in tee to green. Um, and in approach, he's been second and ninth. So the way he's hitting the ball, he's actually priced, I think, like he can't win at this golf course. And I get the notion that he's not the longest, so he's kind of got to play perfectly to do it. But I think he's capable of doing that at times. And when he was 18th all those years ago, he was fifth after round one. He shot a 67. When he was 13th, he was eighth after round one. Um, so he, he can get off to a decent start here. And I, I just trust him to do well. So that was the spill on English. I think he's a decent value at 125 to one, overlooked slightly. And then the other one, interestingly, comes into the um, Wentworth link completely by accident because I'd already picked him before I even read that, uh, is Benny Ann at 125 to one, who... I've been keeping an eye on for, I'd, I'd like to say, like six weeks now, just waiting for an opportunity to actually bet him when I actually believe he could contend. And it's at the golf course where he's lost in the playoff to Bryson DeChambeau that I'm finally going to bite the bullet. Uh, that was in 2018. His last five starts in the uh, in three of those, he's finished fourth in tee to green on the week. Um, he's been second, eighth and fifth those same weeks in off the tee. And he's been 14th, 53rd and eighth in those weeks in Strokes going approach, so he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, he's got three more top 25 finishes on top of that playoff loss. He's got four top 21 finishes his past six events and another 33rd as well. He was sixth going into the final round last week at Colonial. So to me, I don't know if I trust Benny Ann to win a golf tournament on the PJ Tour in 2023, but I do definitely trust him to contend for that top eight uh, as he did last week at Colonial. Uh, didn't quite put it off obviously falling away in the final round but yeah I think he'd be right in the mix again especially in the golf course that he loves uh, if that Wentworth thing has got anything that only adds juice to what I already liked so uh, I like Benny Ann 125 to 1 same price as Harris English and then the other one that I kind of spoke about that I haven't really done anything with yet but I think this is definitely a top 20 top 30 top 40 whatever you want to do with him Kevin Strillman sneakily playing some really good golf um, he's got four top eight finishes and seven top 18 finishes overall here over the past 15 years. When he was 50th at Riviera earlier in the season, he was 20th at halfway. When he was 27th at the Valspar, he was 20th going into the final round. When he was 18th at Quail Hollow, uh, he was second after round one. And he was ninth last week when he was sixth going into the final round. So he's not finishing it off, which makes perfect sense considering people are passing by in terms of distance, age, etc etc but this is a real wily veteran Kevin Strillman he's 175 to 1 with eight places I just see him being in that kind of 10th 12th mix and mm-hmm. and maybe can nick you a place um so I, I think there's I don't know if I am going to bet him yet I'm still up in the air but like I think definitely for kind of top 20s and top 40s yeah. I think he's uh, definitely the mix for that I like it um Brad, I'll come to you first. Anyone that kind of caught your eye you didn't quite get to? Well, I think, interestingly, Lucas Herbert has made the cut here twice mm. um, and obviously missed the cut last time out. But 
Yeah, he's a, he loves to grind. He loves a tough course. And obviously, he's, he's taken to this one quite nicely. So I'm considering him possibly in the placement markets. Also, like Strillman, I remember you alerted to me on on um, on Monday. With him yeah. and I had a good look at him. I, really, I I like that a lot. I think he could easily top twenty. Um, but yeah, them two stand out um, as uh, top twenty plays. I just feel like Lucas Herbert could be a little bit bigger. Look, I mean, the best you can get nine to two. I'd probably like a little bit bigger than that, maybe um, for top twenty. But yeah, them two are the ones that, that uh, interest me in the plays for the markets. I think so far. Yeah. Like it, Chase. Any that came close to you adding to your Cantley card? <laughs> I mean, somebody like Stephen Yeager, yeah, who's, who's playing really well, likes it around here. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at, I don't know what top, whatever, top 28 or something. Um, hasn't played here, but uh, yeah, may well have done. So he played a lot of our highs, you know, played practice rounds and runs on the crew. Playing really well, 11th at Byron Nelson, 18th at Mexico. Um, yeah, he's only missed, what, a couple of cuts this year. Yeah. Um, Drives the ball solidly, doesn't he? Um, I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, no, really. I'll be looking for one name. There'll be one name yeah, highlighted no, on the list. No, and, yeah. uh, so, I, I mean, I, I'm surprised you didn't talk about Sanjay, to be honest with you. I think actually odds against, or 13 to 10, something like that, uh, for a top 20 is, uh, is bang on for him. Um, mm. I think you're also entitled to say that Adeki will finish 20, was it 21st? You used to say yeah, it's 20, 21st. Um, I think he's. Yeah, I think he's back in that sort of form as well. I know you discussed him on the other show. Yeah. Um, yeah people like that. But, uh, you know, uh, you could, I could, for me, on the other one, on, on the other side, I think I could probably pick six, seven, eight, nine treble figure players and, and hope for a run. Um, whereas over here, I think it could be one by one of the class. And, and I, I do think the rest of the red, I mean, Hatton, I agree, Larry, I agree. But apart from them, I think you literally could fill up the other five places with anybody. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I've no idea there's going to be, so I'm not going to bother. No, fair enough. No point, no point in trying to figure it out if you're happy with the winner um, and, and like a couple of others in place and markets as well. Let's put a bow on it there then, um, because I could name names forever, but I'll probably save them to talk about some nonsense first-round leader bets uh, on Twitter at some point uh, tomorrow or whenever. Um, but let's recap our picks. It's been a slightly back and forth podcast on here so i'm going to summarize um my picks in the porsche european open uh so first of all going with mike lorenzo vera uh 55 to 1 i've got uh kiridak at 60 to 1 marcus armitage 90 to 1 julian brun was actually there at 60 to 1 as well um brad your picks for the porsche european open i'm gonna go yannick paul there's 25 to 1 left with 888 sport that's only five places though but don't mind that um from roman langask 33 to 1 uh coral labrooks best prize seven places and matty schmid uh, 66 to 1 that's with bet 365 each way extra eight places like it jace your uh porsche European open picks uh, alexander bjork uh dean germachet's uh jw co and we didn't cover him but tapio paul cannon going down he smashed the hell out of it again um with a with a little bit behind it but you know you can read it if you want yes i did uh didn't fail to come back to you on tapio paul cannon yeah. so apologies there but he's in the bet victor article which you can read uh via jason's link on twitter 
going over to the memorial then i'm, I'm going to go with patrick Cantley again 10 12 to 1 if you can get the extra places uh each way extra price on bet 365 uh ricky fowler at 40 to 1 siwoo kim at 55 to 1 and then a pair of 125 to 1 shots in harris english and byong hun and uh brad your picks in the memorial please mate. i've gone to hatton 25 to 1 to paddy power eight places um, Shane Lowry, 55 to 1, six places. Unibet and Adam Scott, 55 to 1, same place. Unibet, six places. And Jason, your one and done card for me at the Memorial. One and done is Patrick Kenley, uh, and I'll look at places for Sanjay Burns and Lowry, but no confidence whatsoever. Love it. Good stuff. Um, really enjoyed that. Brad, you're now off for a couple of weeks, if I'm correct. Well, I'm actually, I, I think oh. I'm mistaken. I think I'm, I'm I'm there next week and I'm leaving on the 10th. So then I'll be gone for two weeks. It's, yeah, it's, that's my mistake, Tom. I, I was wrong. It, it's good to know that Brad knows when he's flying out of the country. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, how am I supposed to know if you don't? So, I don't even um, know what day it is. But... <laughs> yeah. Brad will be with us next week. Um, I will be on the DP World Tour show next week covering the Scandinavian Mixed um and the canadian open so um good week for that tournament there jason's obviously putting up articles like they're going out of fashion at the moment bet victor golf wrx so keep an eye on all of those for us um and i think that's just about us really looking forward to uh to bring those events in the lead up to the us open and i look forward to speaking to you all soon